Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is episode 161. I'm your co-host, Kieran Lefebvre, and I'm joined by Adam Childs. Hello, Kieran. I don't know why in my head, I mean, very rarely that I do the intros and not you, but for some reason, I, I knew this was episode 161 because we did ask Black Belt 160 last week, but for some reason, my I was going to blurt out episode 167. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, best... Uh, Best keep the intros to you. Mm. Uh, what's going on, man? What's going on since last week? Well, we we're just briefly touching on, uh, you asked me about my knee, which is relevant to this episode. Because we're talking about injuries, talking about a couple of things. But uh, yeah, you were, you were asking me about the knee and how that's going. So I finally saw a uh, orthopedic surgeon about it. And yeah, so he... With an MRI? No, you didn't get an MRI though, did you? Not yet, but that's part of the story. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so basically what happened is I was going for a Choi Bar entry and my knee popped and I saw a physio and uh, the physio said that he thinks it's grade two, LCL tear. um, And he wasn't sure, blah, 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 referred me on to orthopedics at the hospital. So I finally heard back from them. I was complaining that they didn't get back to me. They got back to me and I went and saw the, the orthopedics Initially, on his initial assessment, like he got me to do squats and shit and, and yada, yada, asked me a bunch of questions, asked me about pain. Um, and then he was kind of kind of dismissive, to be honest. He's like, hey, whatever, kind of, you know, it doesn't sound, doesn't sound that bad. You know, um, basically, yeah, it was real dismissive, thought that it was nothing, thought that, you know, maybe it was just a strain, it's all good now. And he's like, yeah, well, I may as well assess you. And he assessed it, he's like, yeah, I'm not really feeling anything. He's like, well, since we're here, we may as well get the x-ray. Um, and... We, we went into the x-ray room. It's really interesting. It's not like a traditional an old x-ray. school x-ray. <coughs> an x-ray though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, like, let me explain it. New- let me explain it. So um, it's not like an old school x-ray where you just get an x-ray of the bone. It, it was really cool. I've never seen an x-ray machine like this, but it takes x-rays in real time. So he's in there in the room with me and he's manipulating my knee and it's constantly taking x-rays and he's watching it in real time. Um, so what he so, did- so- it's like a fancy ultrasound-ish Almost, yeah, thing. but it's it's ex, it's straight-up x-rays. Like he's got a foot pedal. He's using his uh, hands to manipulate the, the movement of my knee to, to, to see the gap between the um, my bones, right? So the way he was doing it is he was doing a stability test or an LCL integrity test whilst taking x-rays to see the, the space that was being created in between my bones. Right, so the LCL is the lateral crucial ligament. If you don't know what a ligament is, it connects bone to bone. Different from a tendon, which connects uh, muscle to bone. So the LCL, the way you do the integrity test, is a lateral movement of the knee. So he laterally manipulated my knee, forced the the end range movement, and then was taking X-rays in real time, and then stopped it when he was when he got the position, and then he measured the gapping distance between the bone, and then he compared it to my right knee, which is my healthy That's- knee. Very, very interesting. Did he yeah. look like someone who had been exposed to too much? <laughs> no, no, because he had he had all the metal, like the he had the the apron, like the heavy duty metal apron on his neck and everything like that. And but it was it was super cool, right? Um, I I, I hadn't seen that sort of X ray 
uh, procedure before. And he's like, look, this isn't an exact science. This is just going to tell us if we need an MRI, which is essentially the, the thought process behind it. But it was fucking cool, man. I was really, really interested. And uh, after that, he was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you got a big gap. <laughs> so, so it's funny yeah, that his assessment, right. he's, his assessment of it and like, you know, asking the questions, he was like, the tone changed super quick. Like he was very dismissive. And then after he got the the x-ray, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, we, we definitely need an MRI. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Interesting. He, he, he actually thinks that because of how much gap there he he was basically saying he'd be surprised if the the damage was um isolated to the lcl alone because you know if you get the the thought process being that if there is enough uh pressure and and trauma if you will to the knee that causes a grade 2 lcl tear chances are that something else is is going to be um along along with it but if it is just isolated lcl that would be that'd be good so the mri is going to tell us if we need to if it's bad enough to get surgery or you know what the actual recovery time is but it's looking like it might be um a you know a pretty not severe but like a a a worse version of a grade two than initially thought which kind of sucks off and so have you booked in an mri yeah yeah so um a two-week turnaround for the mri um so uh should be getting one next week recording this on a monday you listen to this on a friday but uh so this time next week so maybe in two episodes time i i should have the results, yeah, the results. potentially have you ever had an mri before oh yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 plenty of times but i had one on my knee remember when i hurt my knee at the park i got an mri then yes i do remember that yeah, I got an knee, knee slammed into the the mats we had in the park, and yeah, and it was just it was just inflamed, really. But uh, you know, lots of fluid, um, but it, no no actual integrity damage. But for this one, it was very audible pop, and you know, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. bloody knees, mate. Oh do more squats. Yeah, yeah, do more squats, bro. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been doing heaps of lower body work though. Like I've been doing my own rehab because no one here. It's funny in in Australia when you see a physio. The, they normally give you a rehab program and if you're seeing a decent one, but I haven't gotten any anything from anyone that I've seen. No rehab, no guidance on like, oh, you do this, avoid that. So I've just been, you know, using my own knowledge on, on um, you know, the topic of strength and conditioning, prehab, rehab work, a little bit of uh, research into LCL specifically and just doing my own thing. But man, I've been, I've been squatting, been lunging, been doing everything, doing... Um, glute specific exercises isolated stuff uh to strengthen around the uh, around the knee and yeah having no dramas yeah right be be good to get some you know some peace of mind with the mri you know even if it is just them saying yeah no there's no need to operate or whatever and Mm. you don't know until you get that that high level scan to really know Mm. what's going on on the inside and then to be honest even then and i've had mris i had one not long ago to follow up with my knee surgery from last year and because it still wasn't feeling good and essentially the mri showed that that everything's fine and this is just kind of how my knee is now it's uh if i didn't do what i did for a living probably wouldn't even think about it but because i expect so much more from it 
I kind of notice every little thing that goes, goes wrong with it. And even though the MRI showed it was fine, the surgeon still said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, see this image here? And he picked a, like a photo from inside someone else's knee, knee, like a photo that would have been from a textbook or something. He said it probably looks like that in there, as in he's not 100% sure. Like the MRI doesn't show everything. He said, mm. oh, you know, we could do the surgery and I would get in there and it would probably look like this and I could clean it up and whatever. And so, <clears throat> you know, even the MRI doesn't show everything. Yeah. But it at least tells you whether you need to get on an operating table or not really. Yeah, exactly right. And realistically, man, if I hypothetically, the worst case scenario was like, oh, yeah, we could probably we, we could probably operate. I probably wouldn't go for it. I'd just uh, focus in on, um, you know, doing the rehab for as long as I could and then, and then go back and you know what I mean? I'd, I'd, I'd rather spend that six months working on rehab rather than spend like six to more like 12 months working on recovery. If that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to give that a go first. Cause it's clearly not torn completely. Like I, I it's not a grade three. So the, the odds of needing surgery, I think are pretty low, but whatever. Anyway, fucking jujitsu boys. Yeah, is what it so is. good. So is good. what it is. But on the on the bright side, man, if I didn't have as much like muscle and stability around my knee, I think I'd be in a lot of a a bit of a worse position. Um, because it's really interesting. Everyone I've seen, like the physio and now the the surgeon, they they're a little bit dismissive initially. Like, yeah, you know, you look fine, and then they you know, actually see it and then like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. But it's good because it shows that what I'm doing is actually helping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a similar situation to to Joey. So Joey being one of my my black belts who does strength movement and is in, in that industry as well, mm. has really good range of motion in all mm. his joints, like way more than the average person who is fit and healthy. So when he tore his ACL, he, you know, even 12 months, whatever, 18 months post-surgery, he's still not happy with his range of motion. But his range of motion would be more than mine is, but yeah. it's not what it used to be for him, you know. Mm. And so it would be very easy to dismiss him, like, with his complaints. And I remember he went back to the surgeon multiple times, still being unhappy with it. But I think it's the the standard that he wants from his his knee is really high, and mm. so he can quite easily be dismissed. It's like, yeah, you can squat, you can run, you can you know twist your knee, do all these things that says you're okay. But he's like, nah, man, it's still not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you have to compare yourself to your own baseline. You know what I mean? So he's obviously very aware of his body, very aware of his baseline, and if it's not close to his previous baseline, then something's wrong. Yeah. 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 Well, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about injuries and injuries in, in, in training and, and competition a little bit more specifically is, is what I, what I really want to mention because your, uh, like your injury happened in just a generic movement. Yeah. There's no, I would say your injury was just one of those, you know, lack of a better term, just freak accident. You yeah. Know? yeah. The same way that 
you can be just walking down the street and maybe roll your ankle and severely hurt, you know, seriously injure it, tear a ligament in your ankle or, or something. Or not even that. You didn't even roll your ankle. You know how sometimes maybe you just walk. Have you ever had that? <laughs> sometimes you're walking and now that I'm saying it, I haven't done this in ages. <laughs> but have you ever had those times where you're, you're walking and for no reason whatsoever you accidentally um, like lock out your knee almost like a flamingo leg and sort of then just go, oh, I can yeah, yeah, st- yeah. Like <laughs> step in correctly. You, yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can, you can hurt yourself. That's kind of what your injury was. It was one of those ones that there was no nothing and it just happened. Yeah, and not too, di- not too dissimilar to my second knee surgery, which was – yeah, someone I was knee on belly on someone, and they just hip escaped and pushed my knee off their belly, mm. and yeah, my my knee just went just from that. So mm. it was a, actually I barely moved at all. Uh, but we had a competition recently here a couple of weeks back that I had a few students go to, and one of my white belt students is now looking at a potential. LCL and lateral meniscus tears, not sure how bad they are in both knees from this competition. And it was funny because we also had a grading last week. So we had the competition and then six days later we had a grading and he turned up to the grading Sambo style with his gi top on and his belt. And because he didn't put gi pants on, he could barely walk. He had knee braces on on both knees and was, was hella messed up. And what had happened to him in the competition was that he got caught in a straight footlock and the guy turned belly down. And, you know, Hugo, the student, he didn't tap, but his knee popped. And I remember in the match he turned, I didn't quite hear him at the time, but he turned to me and he said something like, oh, my God, did you hear that? his knee popped and somehow his other knee got messed up as well. I'm not sure how his other knee got caught up in it, Mm. but nothing drastically looked real wrong about it. You know, if you're watching it from a spectator point of view, of course, as we just said, your knee popped just doing a simple, more or less a windshield wiper. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And your knee popped. So obviously things can break at any point, but it's not like you would, you would have looked at it and gone, man, oh my God, like he's lucky not to have broken something that dude ripped on it or, oh man, it was twist. It was cringe to look at. No, it was, it was just a belly down footlock. And, you know, Hugo's now in a same similar situation to you. He's got his MRI booked in waiting to get the MRI and then get the results. As he said, Mm. it's like a two week turnaround, Mm. but definitely made me, think a little bit as to the importance of the the rules and more specifically the restrictions to certain techniques to certain belts in jiu-jitsu because I watched that play out and there was no animosity there was no bad intentions or anything yet despite the fact that things can just pop and tear whenever, I think that specific situation would have been very hard pressed for that to have resulted in such a severe injury 
at a higher belt, you know? And a lot of people always ask, you know, oh, why can't you do, talking about leg locks specifically, oh, what? What? Oh, I can only do a straight foot lock until brown belt. Again, we're talking about standard rules, okay? It changes for, the rules change between gi and no gi, even if you are operating in IBJJF. But obviously, competitions like ADCC and obviously competitions like grappling industries have slightly different rules and whatever other event that gets put on, they can make up their rules however, whatever they want. Mm. But um, you always hear that, right? You know, white belts or lower belts being like, what, I can only do a straight footlock until, until this, this level. And this was a clear example of, for me as to why that's the case. Because, or let's say even more importantly, you know, like why are kids or kids, juveniles, teens, you know, whatever, where you want to break up the ages, why aren't they allowed to do, you know, any type of leg locks and what? It's like, because it's so easy to to hurt the opponent or to be the person in the, the submission and do the wrong thing and go from what was supposed to be your last competition of the year and a bit of fun and whatever. And then, you know, now the dude might be booking in for a surgery at Christmas time, Mm. you know? So I'm actually all for the actually going to like be on IBJJF side here a little bit with the restricting of, of certain techniques to certain belts. Yeah, I'm totally for it. I'm I'm more than supportive of heel hooks specifically being restricted to round belt and up. I think that is more than appropriate time for it. Only thing I'd say is if you leave it till brown belt to learn them, you're going to be at a severe disadvantage. So in the training room, absolutely, you can you should be participating in uh, leg locks. In my opinion, from blue belt up, start like. Uh, you know, um, going for heel hooks, learning heel hooks, learning that leg entanglement game. Maybe it's not your game, but you need to be familiar and comfortable with the position. But when it comes to competition, we all know there's a big difference between competing and training. Very, very big difference. So I absolutely agree with IBJJF stance on leg locks being restricted or specifically heel hooks um, and knee bars being restricted to brown belt and up. I'm okay with knee bars, but you you know, you got to draw the line at something somewhere. Totally, totally happy with it. Totally fine. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and exactly what you said as well. If you leave it to brown belt to learn it, that's no good. So yeah. our our rule in the gym to draw a line somewhere is we say in training, blue belt and up can do whatever. Can do heel hooks, can do, you know, wrist locks, toe holds, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. You can do everything that's inside the rules. And then white belts not. Obviously, I do have some white belts who train enough that they do a bit of both and it's fine. But that's the generic line we put in the sand because you obviously want to then when you go to compete at that belt, be ready. Or what if one day they change the rules and they say, okay, now purple belts and above can do heel hooks in competition. And you're a purple belt that was like, ah, shit, I was waiting until brown belt to learn that. Yeah, you can't do that. So you definitely – but, you know – and then when people say something something along the lines of, yeah, but you can't do that in competition, yada, yada, yada. And you go, yeah, but 
you know what you also can't do in competition? Like throw a punch, yet we learn, you know, self-defense techniques in jujitsu, right? So like you still learn stuff that you, you, you know, you won't do in a competition. Mm. But, but yeah, the, for those who, for newer students who haven't yet played with the leg game, the way that I always describe it when someone asks me why can't you do it is because I explain it like this. If we take a, a whatever else submission short of a choke, because some chokes you don't in little air quotes feel anything and then you pass mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Not as simple as that, but you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, is let's say an armbar or a Kimura or something. If it's, if zero is nothing and a hundred is something tearing or breaking, maybe a, a an armbar, you might feel something at, let's say like 60%. And so you've got this big 40% window in which you have time to tap before something breaks. But with heel hooks, a lot of the time you don't feel anything till 95. So you've got such a small opportunity to tap before something before something pops or tears. And I would go as far to say that in, in professional competition, almost all heel hooks in a professional competition, the person who's been submitted is, is, has had something tear or pop because the, the, the intensity that professional athletes put on that submission is kind of no different to the intensity a boxer tries to th- throw an overhand or an MMA fighter tries to throw an overhand or whatever. Uh, if a boxer hits, throws a body shot and it breaks your rib, like he doesn't care, you know? It's not like he necessarily was hoping to break the rib, but like, man, it's like it's part of it. You know, if he hits you and he, you know, breaks your your orbital bone, I think it's called, right? Like your eye socket or something, which is quite a severe injury. It's not like he was necessarily going into the fight going, I'm going to break his, you know, I'm literally going to break the bone in his eye. But I mean, it, it happens. And they're trying to throw that punch and land that punch as hard as possible. So in a professional s- scenario, when money's on the line, when an ADCC title's on the line or whatever, you think they, you think they're even wanting that window to be open at all? No, like, and it can be so hard to even catch the submission that they're going for it. By the time the other dude taps and the other dude lets go, something's been torn or at least popped, I would say, in majority of professional matches. So this is why, that's how I explain it to, to people. And as I said, newer students, if you're not yet playing or have played with leg locks, that's where a bit of the danger lies. I remember when Levi Jones Leary, uneducated, is one of Australia's top black belts. When he first moved back to a, no, maybe it wasn't when he first moved back to Australia. Anyway, he did a stint like a few months down in Melbourne training with Lockley Giles, which is now where he lives and trains and teaches at Absolute MMA. And he just went down for maybe a week or two. And then when he came back to training in Sydney, I remember him saying, telling me that just from drilling heel hooks, his knees were sore. Like the outsides and insides of his knees were sore just from drilling heel hooks for a week. Mm-hmm. 
you know. So you you definitely do you definitely do have to be careful with them because the last thing you want is some spaz who doesn't know what they're doing ripping on it. And you know, yeah, the line has to be somewhere. And for our gym, it's 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 blue belt because I've seen plenty of new white belts who not even not even with heel hooks, not even with leg locks, just in general do things in a role that you're like, whoa, 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 dude, like, no, you know, like you've watched one too many like WWF shows or something. <laughs> I, WWF? That's I, or WWE? I don't know, but the same yeah. thing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but um, I've, I saw once a purple belt even. This is this uh, – I mean, so the spaz is all belts. That was yep. essentially this. Imagine this, bro. So let's say you're playing seated guard mm-hmm. and I'm standing in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I step in and, you know, and I wrap a guillotine. Okay. Like kind of lower my level, squat down, wrap a guillotine, you know, and, and, you know, finish the guillotine there where you're seated and I'm standing. Very s- standard, well-known attack you can do mm-hmm. against someone playing seated guard or if someone tried to wrestle up on you. Mm-hmm. Now imagine the same scenario. You're seated. You don't move. You stay there. But I walk around behind you, so I'm standing behind you. Okay. And now Despite the fact I'm behind you, I do the exact same movement. I wrap your your head, neck, oh, but, now, but now but now I'm behind you where the lock, the lock of my guillotine is at the not the is at the top of your spine. Yeah, yeah. And I now I keep in and try to what I the fuck. <laughs> I've seen a purple belt do that in a that's role. That's how you kill a man. That's how you kill someone. You could you know, that's like, how you snap their fucking neck, dude. That is the dumbest shit ever. That's common it is, sense. It is horrifying. It is horrifying. You know? So oh. you know, when when you have submissions that are just way Why too, would you even do that? Why I just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You know? But you know when you have when you have submissions positions that can so so easily kind of take someone off the mats for six weeks, six months, you know, a year. It's best that that those are restricted until you can operate at a level where you don't you don't sort of make those mistakes, and that takes time. It takes time for you to build a huge amount of intuition and stuff to know when yep. when things are, are wrong, right? Like yep. an, another way, when, I, when I'm then working with students who are new to leg lock, so now let's just say they're a blue belt and they're starting to want to play with it and learn it. And I say, man, like you're, I'm probably the safest person for you to do it with for multiple reasons. Because one, you know, I'm never going to put it on you and rip it. Two, I understand the the position we would be in and which way is safe for you to turn and not turn. So if you turned the wrong way and you were going to blow out your own knee, right, I'm going to let go because, you know, that sort of, yeah, years of training and 
being able to tell that something's going to go wrong. Same if, if you've got my leg and I can feel, tell that you're about to do something that is the equivalent of that backwards guillotine killer man move. Mm. You know, I'm just going to tap and stop you and be like, whoa, 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 hang on, blah, 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 you know. And it's also just training. You're gonna, I'm going to give you plenty of opportunities to actually, you know, catch me in it and put it on and I'm going to tap well before it injures me because – had a lot of experience there though it takes a long time to get that intuition if you just go i've been training for 12 months bam i'm into this competition that allows everything i mean fuck i just watched my student get both his knees ripped apart from a pretty rudimentary straight footlock mm. you know so it just goes to show how how easy the the, the injuries can happen yeah i agree with the the whole premise of like the more experienced your training partner in leg locks the better it is to do leg locks with them you know you'd much rather do leg locks with an experienced person than inexperienced and even when i'm training leg locks with someone that i i'm very wary to do leg locks with someone i don't know and i haven't trained with before as well it's one of those you know you probably shouldn't be but the the assumption that their belt carries the prior knowledge the, even these days, you know, we're not there yet uh, in terms of the leg lock game. It's one of those areas of jiu-jitsu that people can get to black belt and just completely neglect. I've trained with black belts before that, you know, you grab their legs and they have no idea what the fuck you're doing. And they're black belt or even brown belt or purple belt. It doesn't matter. So um, I think that you can tell a lot about someone's jiu-jitsu in the leg lock game within like in, almost instantaneously whilst rolling with them. Uh, in, in leg locks. As soon as you put someone in, like a heel hook, for example, seeing how they react to that, just a basic, you know, whatever, G give me like a ashigrami fucking uh, single leg X style position with a, or even an outside ashy basic heel hook, inside, outside, doesn't matter. Just seeing how they initially react to that one position tells you everything you need to know about their leg lock knowledge and their leg lock, lock capability. And depending on how they respond to that will definitely depend on how I roll with them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm definitely a bit more yeah, cautious when it's if I'm training with someone I don't know. Mm -hmm. And and well, I mean as a black belt essentially that just means training no gi with them means leg locks are allowed, right? Essentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. But but then it depends I if they're not a black belt, I always give the benefit of the doubt that they that they don't necessarily have the same rules as our gym. Like if they're a purple belt, um, I'll be ready for if they try to attack my legs, but I'm not going to attack theirs because I'm going to mm -hmm. go, oh, okay, but, you know, they're not a brown belt yet, and maybe they don't. Maybe at this gym, or they don't come from a gym that allows this person to do that yet. Yeah. So I so I won't go near it, but I'm yeah. Yeah, I'd, uh, for me in the training room, it takes a good amount of trust until I really want to fight heel hooks with someone. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, no, totally, I, I get that. And yeah, I suppose a good practice training at like a gym maybe that you haven't trained at a lot or whatever, or you go to a new gym, it doesn't matter, would be to um, you know either take your 
advice there and, and if you're brand belt above only do it on brand belts and above give them the benefit of the doubt and below just avoid it but if you're someone like me who is not a brand belt then asking the your training partner if they do leg locks is i've, I've had heaps of people ask me like oh you are you comfortable with legs uh, particularly when i've trained at um grappling education everyone there if they don't know me the one of the first things they ask before we roll is like are you, are you comfortable with leg locks uh, and I think that's a good practice as well, if you wanted to do to do it. Um, it's yeah, it's way more ambiguous though in no gi, don't you reckon? Like in the gi, you could probably count. I don't know, just as as a guess, but in the gi, how many times would you say that you've had, you know, higher belts jump on toe holds and knee bars in the gi? Like I find in the gi, people are way more by default. No, unless they're brown and black belt, that's only straight foot locks. No toe holds, no knee bars. Definitely. But, yeah. in, but in no gi, it's a little bit more like, hey, this is no gi, and all like it's a bit more. You're allowed to do this in no gi. Yeah, it's it's a you bit know? it's a bit more of like a free for all. But in saying that, I have had key moments where I remember being a white belt training against purples and then jumping on knee bars and shit. Just to <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, I'm talking to you, Ollie. I'll never forget. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 that's funny. But uh, yeah, man, no, totally, I totally agree with that. Um, definitely agree with that. But yeah, I mean, I've had people do illegal, and, and it's funny, like you get people doing straight up illegal uh, moves as well. Like I've been training in the gi with another blue belt and then putting the toe hold on the wrong way, which I did to you once um, when I was a white belt, I think. And you were like, oh, well, okay, yep, that's that's okay, but that's a heel hook. You just you just did a heel hook. It's essentially Not, a heel hook, yeah, yeah. yeah. In in all intents and purposes, in accordance with the rule, that that was a heel hook because you you toe holded the, the, the wrong way. Um, yeah, so I've – and then I've had, you know, months later or whatever, I've had um, people do that to me and then be like, yep, okay, that's that's a heel hook, just so you know. Um, so, yeah, you, you, what I'm trying to say is like there is a bit of a gap in knowledge even in the gi when it comes to the the leg game for a lot of people. It's it's one of those areas that unless you, you know, are interested in it, you pursue it in your own time or your gym is known for it, it's like a – you know, the, you know everyone – knows that there are certain gyms out there that leg locks are a big part of the, that gym's, you know, arsenal or whatever um, and, and their culture. So, yeah, there, there is a gap in, in knowledge from my perspective in the wider jiu-jitsu community in leg locks still to this day. Yep. So um, moving on to, to rules and, you know, so we, we agree that the rules should be are there to keep athletes safe, right? Essentially, at the end of the day, the rules serve two f functions. One, to create parameters for the competition to exist inside, right? Like you, if, if it was just no rules, I mean, it may as well essentially be bare-knuckle MMA fighting, right? Because, you know, so the rules exist, they set the, the, the restrictions that make the sport what it is. Mm. And secondly, to to keep the athletes safe, I think. So we agree with that. Are there any rules that for you stick out that you would like to change? Like, or what about let's start with a more uh, not too controversial rule to ask, to ask the question, should heel hooks be allowed in the gi? You know, what it, what it, you know, as a, as a, as someone who is, you know, Trained, trained a lot, but still at a point where you're not competing in 
competitions so much that allow heel hooks really, do you think you would want to be doing heel hooks in the gi? No. And I think my, my response to this is similar to the way you explained why they're not allowed. Cause I, re- I remember asking you when I was a white belt, like why aren't heel hooks allowed in the gi? And one of the reasons that you, uh, at least I'm accrediting, accrediting this response to you was, well, imagine if they were, and imagine if lapels were involved in a heel hook, the amount of torque you could generate with a lapel in a heel hook would be very dangerous. And I just think it opens up a, you know, a, a world that we don't potentially need. We need to like think about the sport as well. Like, I don't know. I just don't necessarily think it's it's needed to have um, to have heel hooks in the gi. But at the same time, if they were allowed, I wouldn't like, you know, be up in arms about it. I wouldn't be upset about it. I'd be like, okay, yep, this is the new reality. They've they're now allowed, so we need to we need to learn it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I suppose I, I could take it either way. Yeah, if if the rules changed one day, it's not it's not as if I would. <laughs> uh oh, change of career. You know, yeah, I, uh, I probably wouldn't care. Yeah, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would enjoy the addition. Mm. You know, uh, because. I don't know. It's first of all, it's just nice to have a rule set where you don't have to worry about. <laughs> it's nice to have a break. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's nice yeah. to have a rule set where you don't have to to necessarily have that threat constantly. But also, think a, mm. a huge issue with it would be how. Dif- how difficult or impossible it would be for you to ever like escape once someone yeah. secured a leg entanglement. Yeah. You know, you the, can't slip the, it. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't, you're not going to be able to slip the heel. It's going to be very hard to clear your knee line. That's mm-hmm. not even considering the, fa- just from the friction, let alone the fact that they can be gripping onto the cuff of the pants or, grabbing the pants at the knee so you can't slip it and mm. it just be it would just become so so dominant mm. i don't know it would be very i don't know it would be interesting to to spectate because perhaps the sport would then go through a period of time similar to how it did in nogi where it was just dominated by heel hooks but now people are way more savvy to mm. either shutting down leg entanglement entries or escaping them. And even at the highest level, usually heel hooks are only getting hit in the early stages of the mat, the match. Cause once you're super sweaty, it's really hard to, to keep, to keep the knee line and not have them slip their heel. But yeah, definitely. you could be 10 minutes deep into a match in the gi and it doesn't matter. Cause all that fabric, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would enjoy the addition, especially as someone with massive flipper feet. I don't think it would like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it would work out for me very well. Yeah, I'm imagining yeah. a scenario on you where like someone is deep in the saddle, you're in the gi and they've wrapped their like lapel around your ankle and then around your heel and they're using it to like fucking yeah. just rip you apart and you're not going anywhere. Imagine I that. Be- 
I believe there's a video. If I let me just do a, a two second search, I, I believe there's a video uh, of Cole Abate teaching a heel hook variation in the gi. Yeah, there is. So yeah, it's on really? Flow Grappling. So if if you Cole Abate's gi heel hook series, so um, it's from six months ago. So there's a there's at least one video of Cole Abate teaching a heel hook in the gi and he's using the lapel. Yep. And, you know, maybe he's ahead of the game and the rules will change and, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, to be honest. Like I, I wouldn't really I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised either. And, you know, maybe maybe it won't be as bad as Yeah, as, maybe they should I change. Think. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you could be a purist and be like, why is anything like obviously grappling related why is anything disallowed so long as it's not going to have the potential to cause death you know in the case of that fucking ridiculous um reverse guillotine that you were just describing earlier so long as we're not like literally talking about you know front strangulation with the thumbs or like describing a case or a a move like a spiking on the head something that has high potential to kill someone right so long as it's not like that why shouldn't heel hooks be allowed in the gi who fucking cares that we have um you know that we have lapels who fucking cares that it's harder to get out just like get better at getting out there'll be more creative ways of escaping because surely like from the experience we have with jiu-jitsu thus far like name one thing that is for like 100% guaranteed in jiu-jitsu name one movement that can't be counted you can't if there was something that couldn't be counted then you know, what's the purpose of jujitsu? Well, it wouldn't be a complex sport. It'd be very simple. Just get your way to that one thing that can't be counted and you win. But that doesn't exist. And it, you know, it's... So, yeah, shit. Maybe maybe I've changed my mind. <laughs> maybe I support geese in, in uh, heel hooks and gi, rather. I think I the, it's a weird one. I, th- I think with any rule change, the it's, it's more you have to answer the question, like, does it does it add value to the sport, Mm. you know, and, and, you know, is it, is it pushing the sport in the right direction? So from a, I guess, I guess what would value be that it's makes the sport more fun, more entertaining. Yeah. Less restrictive, but you still then have to, you, you can't ignore the fact that, like I said, rules for any sport exist to create parameters for mm-hmm. winning and losing in a com- mm-hmm. in a competitive environment you know so wh- why so if we go okay wh- why can't you heel hook in the gi and then i go okay well in boxing why can't i punch you in the quads and start taking your legs out from underneath you you know like why am i why am i restricted to okay i get i'm not allowed to hit you in the groin because like that's just then we're going into eye gouging and fish hook. You know, so mm. I get I can't hit you, but but I'm not allowed to hit you below the belt. Like it's not even about the groin. Mm. You know, why can't I punch you in the legs to take your legs? Okay, yeah, cool. I'm not allowed to kick because that's not the sport. But why can't I punch you in the legs? Take your mm. legs out from you. You know, or in tennis, why can't I let the ball bounce twice? Why? Uh, why does? Why does? Why does that have to be a point? I still got it. I still. I think a better comparison. And, you know, but I think a, p- a comparison there, why can't I let the ball bounce twice for jiu-jitsu would be, why can't I punch him in the face? Like, because it's not yeah, jiu-jitsu. Mate. 
Yeah, you know? well, but yeah. I I don't know about the 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 uh, the boxing punching in the quad. Fuck, let him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> let him yeah. punch yeah. him in the ankle. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that 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 is a good fucking point. Um, but we don't want to look. We don't want to go the direction of judo. We need to learn from judo. What did judo do? They they said that um, you know you can no longer touch the legs to make the the sport more entertaining or uh you know or to stop basically correct me if i'm wrong is to stop wrestlers from coming over to judo and smashing all the the traditional judo judokas right or something like it, that there was a, could a be, bunch yeah, of russians were just destroying the japanese and they're like oh let's change the rules that could be like a, a warped interpretation on the history because i by no means know the history of of judo uh but I, I still think that the fact that judo changed so you can't touch the legs watered down the sport. And now judo, I mean, judo is still valuable, but not as much. I'm <laughs> being yeah, honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, fuck, they can't, they can't touch the legs. It's, it's similar yeah. to the boxing analogy, but, but, I suppose. Yeah. But then I guess it's, you know, so we could, if if there was nowhere else that, heel hooks existed then i think you would have more of an argument for putting them in the gi like if there was mm. only a such thing as gi jiu-jitsu but yeah let's 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 look at wrestling so so greco-roman wrestling mm. you're not allowed to touch the legs right exactly and exactly and, you know so the judo you, wrestling. You, you don't go to greco and be like yeah but, but why can't i touch the legs it's like because mm. you're not allowed to in this sport if you want to touch the legs go do you know, freestyle. whatever it is, freestyle wrestling, mm-hmm. right? There, there's somewhere that exists for you to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but but it's but it's not here, right? That's it's a different. Yeah, but freestyle it's like, wrestling is the superior wrestling by far. Yeah, so you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe no no gi is just the the far superior to gi. I don't know, like it. So you said it, you not know, me. The, the it's definitely the the direction it's it's going yeah but why can't you take off their belt and wrap it around their neck and choke them yeah i think that's more a safety <laughs> issue that one um yeah <laughs> but if it's connected if it's connected to their waist you can yeah if, if the belt's still on you can use the what do you what would you what do you call the little dangly bit of the belt i don't know you can use the end of the belt if the mm. belt's still on but yeah you can't you can't take it off yeah. I think another another it's not quite a perfect analogy, but when I think about heel hooks in the gi and the added friction and how difficult it would be to escape, it makes me think similar to why you're not allowed to grip inside the sleeves and inside the pants. Because mm-hmm. the reason you're not allowed to, if you don't know, and I'm just going from what I was told by Fabio, so this may i don't know if this is just an old wives tale rule maybe there's a different reason but this is the reason i was always told is it just having that grip wasn't valuable to jujitsu matches because they really resulted in only three outcomes you know the the grip is unbreakable so it's this grip that you can never deal with or if when you try break the grip, it either tears the gi, which stops the match, right, or it breaks the dude's fingers, which also stops the match and no one, you know, not allowed small joint manipulation, I think for pretty mm-hmm. obvious reasons, even in 
the most aggressive MMA rules. You're not allowed small joint manipulation. And similarly, I think about maybe heel hooks in the gi like that too, where it's kind of like, but once you, once you get there, this kind of, uh, you know, it's not like a trump card, but mm. makes, I don't know, yet to be seen, we'll see. But like you said But before, you can put your fingers in your own sleeve. You can, you can, but you can also let go of your own sleeve. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, if one day the rules changed, I don't think I would be, yeah, I'd be like, well, whatever. It is what it is. The higher powers have chosen. Mm. I wonder if, I wonder who would make that change. And what I mean by that is really to see the people have the power, right? So I wonder if it would come from if enough, like, I don't know, let's say if Flow Grappling having the monopoly they have, let's mm-hmm. say if they started putting on a who's number one event and it was in the gi and they said that you could do heel hooks in the gi and whatever, you know, would enough high-level athletes be for it and then it becomes more populated, popular from a spectator point of view and then all of a sudden it's pressures IBJJF to change it. Or I wonder if people would have – if the if the high level athletes, I wonder if they would have this posture or point of view. Well, what what do you mean heel hooks in the gi? If I want to do heel hooks, I'm just going to do no gi. Like you you yeah. you 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 know, if we say heel so. hooks are allowed, do you think all of a sudden Gordon Ryan's going to be like, fuck, that's the one thing that was stopping me from putting the gi on? No, I don't. Probably not, and, right? But I I do think now that I'm we're actually fleshing it out. We've been talking about this for like twenty minutes. I the more we talk about, it, the more I support adding adding heel hooks to the gate. I changed my position on it. Initially, I started like, oh, I'm okay with the rules. I'm okay with the status quo. Um, but now I'm thinking, nah, fuck it. I think they should be. I think that heel hooks should be allowed in the gate. I don't know why they're magically not allowed. Like you're you're all of a sudden magically you put the you put your fucking pajamas on and all of a sudden you can't your your heels are untouchable. It doesn't make any sense. This it's not any more dangerous realistically. I think the argument about the lapel um, that has been used against it. I don't think that's valid. I think it's kind of silly when I when I really think about it. You've you've convinced me, Adam. You've convinced me. I, I think that <laughs> I wasn't trying, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, yeah, fuck it, man. I think I think um, heel hooks should be allowed in the gi. What the hell? What are we doing? We should throw out the gi if, if there's no heel hooks. That nah, the gi is dead to me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still don't know. Way, yeah, I can't really. No, I'm like the not the more I think about it, the more adamantly I'm. I'm like, no, they would should 100 be allowed in the gi, and I think that. You know, it's a it's probably the last level to unlock because everything else that's banned in the sport, if we're if we're like striking, obviously we it's grappling, so that that's that's a no brainer. Like gouging, eye gouging, fish hooking, all that dumb shit, oil checking, uh, all that dumb shit. Yep, okay, no, not allowed. That's totally fine. No one really wants that. Uh, I think that spine manipulation at the lower levels should definitely still be uh, illegal. Twisters uh, at brown and black, they're still illegal in IBJJF, aren't they? Yeah, actually, I don't know. I never, I, I, I never, I think twisting yeah. is still illegal. And I think they should be allowed. Um, can opener. I mean, brown and black, fuck it. Why not? Can opener. Allow it. Yeah, fuck it. I, I think I'm, I'm more, the more I think about it, I think I'm, I'm more of the opinion that everything that is, doesn't, you know, lead to, like I said before, someone fucking 
literally dying or being a paraplegic for the rest of their life should be allowed within the within the rule set. Yeah. So yeah. So essentially, any anything you can do in no gi, you should be allowed to do in the one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yep. What What about the other way around? Should you be able to do whatever you can do in the gi in no gi? Yeah, like you stuff like a, a belt down your pants and you whip it out and tie it on and then choke something. Yeah, totally. Well, yes. I don't like, think there's anything in the in nogi that you can't. I don't you think can't there are. Gra- you can't. You can't grab. You can't grab people's shorts and rashy. You can't grab the clothes in nogi. Yeah, I I think that's that's okay. And the reason I say that's okay um, is because it would just rip the clothing. It's not made to be durable. Like okay, imagine. But I think I think it, I think it goes further than that though. It's it's more just that the the clothing in nogi is because the alternative is being no naked. clothes. Yeah, exactly. You know, so exactly hen- my point. hence why in ADCC that like IBJGF has more strict rules as for mm-hmm. the nogi uniform, but in ADCC you can essentially wear the you know Shogun Hua. Uh, little sunga, it's called in in Portuguese. The little swimmers, if you will, the little trunks. Yeah, yeah. And black, no, and, black shorts. Yeah, and no, and nothing else, right? Yep. No shirt, no anything. Mm-hmm. Which obviously every single person would do if you were all of a sudden allowed to grab the shorts and the rashi. Yeah, but imagine hypothetically, just play along with the thought experiment. Say there was an organization that allowed you to grab the clothing in nogi right what would some crafty fuckers do that would make more durable nogi so it doesn't yes. rip and then all of a sudden you would have a situation where you're just in the fucking gi like you would create <laughs> yeah. like it would slowly <laughs> over time morph to be back in the gi it'd be yeah, dumb yeah, so yeah. I, I i agree with that i think that you know not grabbing the the clothing is just to not rip your bloody rash guard mate and they're expensive but yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. makes them cheaper is if you use my discount code. <laughs> Go to. No, I'm not going to do that. But uh, yeah, this, is a, this has been a weird conversation. We sort of like, you know, rabbit hole upon rabbit holes. But there is a rule set I am very glad is in existence. And I stand by this adamantly is no jumping clothes guard at white belt. And to be honest, I think maybe they should even take it away for blue belts. Um I saw recently, uh, it was doing the rounds on Reddit, I believe. It was in Masters, some Masters competition at Black Belt. This guy jumped close guard and, and, like immediately and uh, it, he, it was a, a bit of a sloppy jump and he fucking caved on in the inside of the other dude's knee and completely destroyed his knee. Like everything's torn. It, it fully folded the wrong way. Um, so like everything in that knee is gone. Um, yeah, and that was a black belt master. So, I think if yeah. you take if you take that out, which to be fair, yeah, jumping close guard is something that's allowed, you know, in blue belt in the gi. But mm. if we if we took that out of the sport altogether, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, because I kind of say you'd you'd have to also you couldn't outlaw jumping close guard, but then also leave in you know, flying scissor takedowns. Yeah. Yeah. Or even Which a flying you, triangle or a flying arm, anything flying really. Yeah, yeah. Anything jumping, no jumping. What the hell? No, I, I don't think it should be removed from the sport. I'm just happy that it, they don't allow white belts to do it because, you know, white, a lot of white belts are super keen. They're not like super coordinated either. And they just jump into the side of fucking people's knees. And it's like, why, why do we need jumping? Just pull guard, man. Just pull guard. Like you don't need to risk 
hurting your opponent just so you guarantee close guard at white belt. That's my take on it because I don't want to see people that are new to the sport never train again because of a dumb fucking, uh, you know, rule. But um, I'm not saying that it should be removed from the sport. I can't sit here and say that heel hook should be added in the gi but then have a problem with with uh, jumping close guard. That would make me a, a bitch. But <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of like that. Okay, here's one thing I want to bring up because we're sort of fucking going around the place. I am okay with gyms having specific rules, like their own like house rules, you know what I mean? Like no, you know, taking a position that can be considered dangerous and being like, you know, at this gym, we'll teach it, we'll drill it, but not in live roles. Like, you know, whatever whatever it may be. I'm okay with that. The only thing that is um, an issue with it is, well, there's two things. If you go to another gym and they don't have that rule, and then it gets done on you. And you may not know how to react in a live role. And the the next thing I'll say is new people to the gym may not know about that in-house rule. Uh, like whether they come from another gym, maybe they're fucking blue belt from wherever or, you know, whatever. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I can't, there's not really, I don't have any techniques I don't let people do in the gym other than jumping close card really. Mm. This is the main one, but yeah, I agree with you because you have to. Let's say even jumping close guard, we'll still drill it, and sometimes do drills where you're allowed to do it in some form of a live role. Because mm. I say to students, I go, it's it's not only about you being able to jump correctly so you don't injure the person you're jumping close guard on. You also know, need to know how to catch someone who jumps close yeah. guard on you because yeah. you can you can hurt yourself by someone jumping close guard on you. They jump close guard correctly, but you don't know how to catch 60, 70, 80, 90 kilos, whatever it is flying at you, which <laughs> reminds me. So we had on the weekend a subversion, which for those who don't know is a local Sydney competition that's like a who's number one sort of a competition. You just have your your one match. And last week, Kieran was mentioning, talking about the ADCC trials. We had big Josh Saunders. It's like 120 kilos or something who, who won the heavyweight division. And he fought on subversion. And, and at a point in his match, he he jumped close guard. Really? Yeah. yeah. No way. Holy yeah. shit. Imagine Josh fucking Saunders yeah, jumping and, and close my, guard on you. My, my friend... No my friend, Ari, my friend Ari was commentating, and he was like, "It's about the last person in the world I would want jumping close guard." <laughs> I was like, yeah, bro. Uh, but yeah, he, but yeah, he jumped close guard correctly. It's not like he did it incorrectly. It's just like, fuck, it's a lot of mass. Like, um, like yeah. imagine, imagine someone just, you know, let's say a strong man or someone who can very easily pick up hundreds of kilos of weight. Imagine if Brian Shaw just picked picked up, cleaned 120 kilos and just chucked it at you, you'd be like, man, like, fuck, fuck that, bro. Fuck that, <laughs> fuck that. You've been picked up with someone. Joey picked you up once when you were in a triangle, right? And he had you like up in the air. You know who also deadlifted out of my triangle? Yeah, so Joey did that to then where I was above his head. Yeah. But um, Jordan also did that. So we haven't spoken about this on, on the podcast yet, but long story short, Jordan teaches jiu-jitsu, came and visited the gym a few weeks back. 
And we were rolling and he's not that much smaller than me in terms of weight, but he's a very strong dude. And he, he completely picked me up like 95 kilos hanging from the back of his neck and just, and just stood up. Fuck yeah. And I, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I was like, holy. And then I slipped off. And as I slipped off, I was like, bro, not many people are deadlifting out of my triangle. I was like, yeah. that's, imp- that's impressive, bro. I, I did. I mean, and you, you've been in my triangles. Like, I mean, you're a strong dude and you know yeah, what it's I've like to try, to try deadlift out of my triangle. Right? I've, I've never deadlifted out of your triangle. I did do it to a black belt here in Sweden. Who's about 90 kilos recently. But it was really awkward because I deadlift him all the way up. He's completely above my head. And then we're kind of like stuck there. And because he couldn't release it, you know, because he would just fall and like potentially hurt himself or whatever. So I, I had to just put him back down. <laughs> <laughs> so he, was, he was up in the air and I was like just talking to him. I'm like, oh, we're kind of stuck here, aren't we? And he's like, yep. <laughs> You're just doing it, doing it for reps. Yeah, bro, just like <laughs> repping it like a Zercher, Zercher deadlift. But I ended up putting him down and then I jumped uh, for that deadlift escape, like that, uh, not deadlift escape, but the, the back extension escape where you put your legs over the top of them and then just extend your back. Um, so yeah. I ended up, ended up doing that and, and, and got out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that's so cool that Jordan deadlifted you. That's so mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's only ever happened to me twice, Joey that's and Jordan. That's so cool. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But it was funny. Fuck, I'm I mean, going to have to do it now. I can't be out those, yeah, it was one of the, it's one it's so such a rare occurrence. It's like I'm not yeah. even mad. That was very impressive. <laughs> you know, like I'm not even you know, I mean <laughs> like the what is it like the the Anchorman in Anchorman where uh, what's his name, Ron Burgundy or whatever his name is, and his dog like opens the fridge and eats a whole block of cheese or something. He's like, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I was seeing that movie in lockdown. Same situation. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know, but I'm I've come to the end of this conversation still undecided as to, you know, like if we were taking some vote that was going to actually count, like let's say there was some international vote to change mm-hmm. for heel hooks in the gi or not and I had to vote, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like, I mean, if you ask me the question again next week where I've actually had time to sit and really think about it, I might have an answer. But if you asked me right now, I don't know. I don't know if I would vote. Yes I know exactly no. what I'd vote for now that, you know, it's very clear. I'd definitely vote for allowing them. And you know what? I'm going to put this out on a poll on my YouTube. Should – I'm going to do it right now. We need, to, we need to put this to the community. So if you're listening to this and it's still live, go to my YouTube and vote because I'll send this directly to IBGF and we'll get the rules changed. <laughs> should, should heel hooks be allowed or should be, heel hooks be legal in the gi? Yes. I would no, what is a gi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be I'd be interested to hear what some of the you know, some of the bigger influential people in the sport are, you know. So, you know, the what's the top some of the top coaches in the world think? Like what does John Danaher think? What does Andre Galval think? You know, well, I know what, what Danaher the, what thinks. The, Why would you why would you ignore fifty percent of the body, baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are what are the Mendez brothers think? And then what are some of the top competitors, gi and no gi, think? You know, well, what is, I think what we, does Marigali think? What is well, Colabate is is uh, you know, Cole, unless he invented it himself, he's obviously getting it from somewhere, which he may have invented it himself. The, the kid's a fucking wizard, but I mean, we we at least know what um, 
you know, some people in, in the top think. And I, I think a lot of the, I, I overwhelmingly, the majority of no gi competitors would probably support having kill hooks in the gi. And the the more I like think about it, like I've it sound like a fucking broken record, but it just makes sense. Like, why is it illegal? I think it's dumb. And realistically, let's look at the rule set f- coming from IBJJF. Up until like what two years ago, maybe a year ago. Wh- wh- when was the first worlds no gi worlds that heel hooks were allowed? Two years ago, I think. Up until two years ago, heel hooks weren't even legal at IBJJF uh, no gi. So, you know why? Dumb, right? Fucking dumb. Yeah, it's, I think it's the next evolution. It, it's still, it's still not allowed for masters, which is dumb as well. Yeah, like like I I get the initial thought process of well they're older shit's more fragile like like I I don't know like maybe at a certain age like I don't know if you're master no. six master seven I don't know like but then why why are you know uh, arm bars legal but heel hooks aren't you're gonna have risk either way when it comes to joint manipulation for injuries and even jumping close can you jump close guard at masters like I just described yes you can because. You know, some dude blew out his fucking destroyed his knee. Um, so no, I, I think it's I think it's dumb. I think having having rules for children that are different is f- totally fine. I'm totally okay with that. Absolutely no issues with that because you know they're children, and we need to protect children. And if we can do that through the rule set, fantastic. But when it comes to adult, adult plus, you should have the the same rules across the board within your belt rank, of course, um, mitigating risk. But yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I don't think that they should be illegal. Is my yeah, name. like when when you when you have someone who's functioned in a in a rule set of heel hooks all the way up till they turn thirty, and then they go into masters, and all of a sudden they're not allowed to do them anymore. Dumb, you know, is is pretty dumb. stupid. It's very stupid. I think it's dumb. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, rules. That was a rules. weird conversation, a little bit back and forth, but uh, yeah. That's, anyway, that's my take. Well, <laughs> complete change now because now I'm going to to give you my 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 something interesting that has nothing to do with the rules whatsoever. It, it's pretty on brand for what has been my my <laughs> something interesting over the last few weeks, which has has all all been food related because it's kind of <laughs> what's 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 running my life at the moment. Okay. This is new to me and has become so, so good. So, so good. Have you heard, I mean, you've obviously heard, everyone knows that you can buy ice cream makers. Have you heard of the new ice cream maker? The, it's You know the brand Ninja that make like yes. blenders yep. and shit, yep. okay? Yep. It's called the Ninja Ice Creamy. Creamy with an I on the end. Okay. I bought one. This thing is the fucking best, bro. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Let me tell you a bit about this. I, I bought one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit okay, about I'm this piece of hardware. So anyone yep. who's listening who is already like knows what I'm talking about, they'll be like, hell yeah, bro. Okay. So this thing, first of all, um, so you can make – I don't know if this brand exists in other countries, but Halo Top is a very common brand in Australia for a yeah, it's healthy it's, protein ice cream, yep, right? It's everywhere. Where you can get a, a little tub of it that's like mm-hmm. 450, 500 mils or something, whatever it is. 
and it'll a um yeah a, a pint or whatever mm-hmm. and depending on the flavor it'll be 280 to 380 calories or something like that mm-hmm. man this ice cream maker you can essentially make better versions of halo top ice cream for the the same calories and it actually makes a bigger volume um so what i now eat like it's more than a pint bro that i make it's more than a pint i now get to eat a whole tub of ice cream every day because all i have meant and i'll tell you more about this thing and the technology and how it works it's crazy because all i have to do is I would typically have a protein shake at the end of training of nine just for to get more protein in and ease of I'm about to jump on a motorbike, so just like throw it back or whatever. Yeah. So, so now all I have to do is the, the protein powder calories were already being accounted for. So now I'm just not having a protein shake. And all I have to do is mix this concoction with milk instead of, instead of water So you have to, as long as you've got the calories spare to use milk instead of water, this shit turns it into fucking ice cream, bro. And and (laughs) I'm I'm not joking. I'm not joking. So a regular ice cream maker, you make typically what's called an an anglaise. You make a mixture of cream and egg yolks or whatever. You know, if you're making a proper gelato ice cream, whatever, you make this mixture and then it goes into an ice cream machine that is – a super chilled like bowl that mm-hmm. you know cools the mixture and it keeps scraping the mixture so it doesn't just turn into a block of ice and keeps you know emulsifying it as it chills and scrapes the edges chills and scrapes the edges and you get ice cream okay this thing this works the opposite so what you do is you make the mixture in the little container and then you freeze it and then the next day you put this frozen block i mean i'm you imagine if you freeze a cup of milk, it's yep. just ice, right? It's just icy milk. It is not ice cream. But then you put it in the Ninja machine and it turns it into ice cream. This is how this came about. So there was a company called PacoJet that would yep. make, that that had the patent for this technology. It was invented by some Swiss engineer. And the patent expired and Ninja were like, yoink, and took it. Ninja sell this ice cream maker for $300. PacoJet, a quick Google at a PacoJet ice cream maker. Take a guess how much you think it is. I have no idea. Like $13,000. Holy shit. Those scammers. So I believe PacoJet essentially... And I'm, you know, this is just a very quick Google search of PacoJet, right? So it's not like I've spent heaps of time looking at the cheapest, most expensive, whatever. Maybe the PacoJet is makes slightly better ice cream, but they would sell it to restaurants, right? Because restaurants then they don't have to make it on glaze and do this. A restaurant can just have tubs and tubs and tubs and tubs of this frozen mixture. And then they just put it in a machine. Dude, it takes three minutes and it turns the frozen block of ice into fucking ice cream. And it's been the best addition to my life since a week ago that I got it. I literally now, instead of having a protein shake at night, I get to eat a tub of protein ice cream. It's, man, 
That's the best. If anyone is addicted to ice cream and you like protein ice cream and you can make the full fat regular ice cream in it as well. But I essentially make my own halo top every night now instead of having a protein shake. And that's what I was eating when we started recording a whole whole big fucking tub of ice cream. It's and if you best. go, if you go to ninjakitchen.com and use promo code beyond jujitsu, you can save ten percent. <laughs> use, use promo code Adam. Promo code Adam's a fat piece of shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode is brought to you by Ninja Creamy. Dude, wow. it's, it's that was the an best. infomercial and a half, my guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, they're just the if you're into ice cream and trying to not eat a tub of Ben and Jerry's every day. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how, how cool this machine is. I fucking love it. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it's not Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely doesn't taste like Ben and Jerry's, but anyway, yeah, well, it's, um, it's well, my jam fucking ice cream every day. My something interesting is if you go to my YouTube channel right now, you can vote on a, <laughs> should <laughs> heel hooks be legal? <laughs> <laughs> I've got this I've got this poll that I've <laughs> I swear I didn't just come up with it but <laughs> we actually already have we already have uh, some responses guess what the the percentage split is at the moment well how many responses are there well oh, that's irrelevant but guess what the percentage split is 100% of people nice. <laughs> it's not 100 it's 80 20 to, to who do you think is winning that there should be allowed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 80-20 yeah, yeah. to yes to no, but you know, early days. I reckon we'll probably get about a hundred votes, maybe. I reckon most people will vote for yes. I think so too. Yeah, and then we should have a caveat. We should have a. We should have had a second poll saying what is your belt level. Like, if you voted on this, then you have to tell us your belt. That would be a good way of, of doing it. I'd like to see the distribution split because I would wage that. I would hazard a guess to say that statistically speaking, people that are brown belt and above are more likely to vote no. And if we correlate it between how long you've been training jiu-jitsu versus your, whether you think heel hooks should be allowed in the gi, I think the longer that you train, that you have trained for, the more likely you are to vote no. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to, you know, I know we're now to the end of the episode, so we're not going to keep going over it, but I'm trying to think... <laughs> Trying to think if there's any specific positions or techniques I really enjoy in the gi that would be completely ruined by heel hooks being allowed. I can't think of anything. Yeah. Not really sure. Like nothing glaringly stands out, but obviously just yeah. positions, positions like, you know, X guard and 50-50 and all of that would then become better it's in, in insanely more more powerful yeah oh we got more votes it's now 71 all right guys this is now a live stream <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> live counting <laughs> okay okay let's wrap this yeah, up yeah. this is uh yeah. this is dog shit yeah guys well obviously yeah if the poll's still up when you listen to this episode for sure go go on there submit otherwise send us directly on instagram or youtube or whatever Tell us what you think. Do you think heel hooks should be allowed in the gi? And if you are going to take the effort to send us a message on Instagram, whether it's to me, Kieran, or to the the podcast Instagram, whatever, if you are going to take the effort, 
to send us a message, let us know your belt level as well because I think yeah, that would yeah. be interesting to um, – not, not that would dismiss your opinion. Maybe, I, I just want to prove my theory. I'm also curious if anyone, if any listener – maybe would send us a message saying, oh, I actually, or I train at a gym where we allow heel hooks in the gi. For sure yeah. those gyms would exist. There'd be yeah. plenty of them in, around the world where people would already train with heel hooks being allowed in the gi. So, um, I've seen people teach heel hooks in the gi and be like, hey, this is not allowed in no gi, but we're doing heel hooks today in the gi. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen a black belt heel hook someone in the gi before because <laughs> they wanted to get a sub. Yeah, well. <laughs> Not naming names, but you know who you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, go to Kieran's YouTube, click on the poll. We want to know. But <laughs> until next time, we'll catch you then.